Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us as we go through these family Bible studies in the Gospel of Luke. Today, we're going to be talking about responsive listening using the parable of the two builders in Luke chapter 6. You're going to see some very strong practical applications when we dig into this parable, both for parents and their children. But let's first read. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation upon rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But he who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation against which the stream broke, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, this parable is not challenging a group of drug-dealing gang members who never go to church, okay? Just to get that on the table here. This shocking parable is contrasting two types of churchgoers. You see, Everyone in this parable is hearing the words of Jesus, okay? Our drug-dealing gang members aren't going to church, so they're not hearing this, okay? Everyone in this parable is confessing faith in Christ. They're saying, Lord, Lord. Yet half the people in this parable are headed for both temporal and eternal trouble. You see, trouble comes in our personal lives, in our marriages, our homes, our family life, when we go to church and we hear the words of Jesus, we confess our faith in Jesus, and then don't do what Jesus says. And so the key to this parable is hearing and doing, and that is the basic requirement of Christian discipleship. And by doing so, You're building a solid foundation for this life and for the next, as well as for your marriage, for your family life, and for your own individual life. This is so critical. And in case you miss it right here in Luke chapter 6, we get lots of this in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Just a couple chapters forward in chapter 8, when Jesus was told "Your, your mother and your brothers are outside desiring to see you, But he said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. You see, you're not a Christian disciple. And to be a disciple, to be baptized, you're you're part of God's family. And if you're part of God's family, you hear the word of God and do it. If you hear the word of God and don't do it, you know, great is going to be the crash of your house, temporally and eternally. There's another one in Luke chapter 11. A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb that bore you. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God 
and keep it. And of course, Mary was one of those people who said, let it be to me according to your word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to modify my life according to God's word, not the other way around. But see, what's happening here in the beginning of this Sermon on the Plain, which is the cousin sermon to the Sermon on the Mount, there are large groups of folks coming around Jesus. There's a great large group of disciples. And just because Jesus is the great miracle worker or has great words to say, Lord, Lord, and don't do what he says, well, then you could be headed for trouble. So I was sitting in my office this week. I says, okay, well, what's something that everybody knows about the Bible and so few do? And I'm again, I'm not talking about the gang members who don't go to church. I'm talking about the churchgoers. Well, the thing that really hit me is that about nine out of 10 Americans, and I dare say I haven't seen the breakdown between Christians and non-Christians, but nine out of 10 Americans, men and women alike, have premarital sex. And everybody knows that the Bible, you know, says that, you know, the sexual expression is to be for marriage only. So if you look in the statistics a little bit, by the 2010s, uh, only about 5% of new brides were virgins. and But those who were virgins when they were married had a 6% probability of divorce within five years. There's a number of divorces that occur just within the five year, first five-year period. And then you contrast that. That was 6%. The women who had had two sexual partners before marriage had a 30% probability of divorce within five years. Now, divorce hurts. It's one of the most tragic things that can happen in your life, and it's profound harm. And if there's children that have come into being that time, that can roll into their lives as well. It's incredible hurt. And so there's a 5% greater probability of marital breakup of those who hear and know what the Bible says, but don't do it. And, you know, these aren't given, these teachings aren't given, and all the teachings aren't given in order to um, make us unhappy. It's to preserve our life and make it flourish. And Jesus saying those who built their life and their marriage on the rock. You know, and the Catholic Church has some difficult things to say about marital sexuality, about building your life on the rock. That means on the teachings of the church and the papal's teachings of the church. And if you want your foundation deep and strong, that's what you will do. The very basic orientation of the believing person and this is way back if you want to take faithful Jews in the Old Testament or faithful disciples of Jesus in the New, it starts with Deuteronomy chapter 6, which begins this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That was the great Shema. That was the profession of faith, so to speak, for the faithful Jew. Shema simply means hear in Hebrew. And a faithful Jew would recite that multiple times a day because hearing the word of God and then doing it as an expression of love is the very essence 
of discipleship. Now, obviously, you can hear God's word as it's proclaimed in Mass, you know, hear the word of the Lord, and we confess we're hearing it. But, you know, there is a particular way that you can personally draw near to God and hear his voice. It's something that's a little overlooked. Uh, actually, I would say greatly overlooked in today's world. It comes from Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4, and this is the way that the faithful Jew, uh, namely Jesus, heard God. Isaiah 50 and verse 4, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain him with a word, him that is weary. Morning by morning, he wakens. He wakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. In other words, uh, the faithful disciple, uh, first thing in the morning, the ear is awakened to to hear from God. It may give you an impression that, hey, you know, I really need to call so-and-so. I know they're going through a difficult time. A Bible verse can come to mind. The Jewish rabbis taught to the, taught this. It's just kind of um, having a, a little time of stillness, like God says, be still and know that I am God. And, you know, I guess most people today, it's the smartphone. Uh, morning by morning, it wakens me and, you know, check Facebook, text, and Pinterest or whatever else. And I'm not against doing those things, but, you know, it might be wise to pause a little bit and uh, morning by morning allow God to waken us and the first thing and then maybe turn to scriptures, uh, read something. There might be a particular verse that would so to speak, jump off the page and really mean something to what's happening in your life, your family, or a friend's life, and you can use those things and kind of encourage that. Now, if I would say that there is a rhyme to history, they say history doesn't exactly repeat itself, but it does rhyme. There's, there's great similarities, and I'm very concerned for our country, very concerned. There's a lot of Christians, but I think this parable nails it. And it's saying there are two types of Christians, those who hear God's word and confess the name of Jesus and don't do what he says, and those who hear God's word confess the name of Jesus and does exactly what he says. That's the great divide which is going on right now. And in the Old Testament, the prophet Zechariah, and basically the prophets, all of the prophets were sent to a nation that wasn't hearing, and there was normal means of hearing, and yet they weren't hearing. So the prophet's job is to try to get through the noise, so to speak, and catch the attention. He's not necessarily saying new things. He's trying to renew the people by getting them back to hearing that voice. But Zechariah chapter 7 says this, and this is regarding the nation Israel. If you want a prophecy about the United States of America, here it is. They refused to hearken, that is to hear. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts hard lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts sent by his spirit through the prophets. Therefore, great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Now, verse 13 of Zechariah 7, this is the sobering verse. As I called, okay, God was calling, and they would not hear. 
So they called, and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. What does this mean? Okay, God obviously gave them his word, the great Shema, to, to, to kind of orient your entire spiritual life. And this is not a thing, so to speak. This is a root of Jewish and Christian spirituality, this dispensation to have the, the um, open ear. And God calls, they wouldn't hear. God sends his prophets to help them as a hearing aid, so to speak. They would not hear. Trouble came, big trouble came. So they called and the judgment was, I would not hear. Because see, everybody calls out to God when the trouble comes. But if you refuse to hear him before then, then God doesn't hear. And he says, I scattered them among the nations and they, uh, their land was left desolate. So it's very serious. And so this applies to marriages. This applies to family life. This applies to nations. And I want to uh, concentrate for a few minutes on how this can apply to kids because a lot of parents know uh, you can kind of talk your head off sometimes to your children and they don't seem to listen to you. It's a big problem that parents have. I've written a book entitled Legacy, a father's handbook for raising godly children, and it's designed, moms can read it too, you're welcome to. I have two entire chapters in that book on child training and discipline, and the first of the two chapters on discipline all concentrate on training the child's ear. I said, this is the primary goal in child training and discipline. And a lot of parents don't realize this. They think it's, you know, timeouts or spank or not spank and all that type of thing. If you want to kind of pull this together, we're here in Luke 6 about the two types of hearing, the hearing and doing and the hearing and not doing. And we want to combine Luke 6 and Ephesians 6, okay? If you can pull those two together, you are going to be so well equipped as a parent to begin. And by being equipped, I mean, you know what your goal is. If you don't even know what the goal is um, in child training and discipline, if you don't know the fundamental goal, well, you're not going to achieve it. This is what Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay? Obey your parents in the Lord. Now, what does that have to do with responsive listening, hearing, and doing in Luke 6? Well, it's this. Um, The word obey in Ephesians 6 and a lot of other places in the New Testament is the Greek word akuo. And if you guess a couple of seconds, you can probably think of a word like acoustics, which you think about when you want to go buy a good speaker system or a good pair of headphones. Uh, acoustics is relating to how we hear something, okay? In that word, obey, is a compound Greek word. And if you, and if you kind of get the word picture here, you will understand exactly what you want done when you're teaching children to obey, The word obey is simply the word akuo, acoustics, hearing, with a preposition in front of it. And it's basically saying when 
urging children to obey. It's hearing the parents, okay, and responding. It's hearing and doing. This is the exact same thing that Jesus is teaching about in Luke chapter 6, except, you know, we don't get it too much when we're reading in an English Bible. But just think, obey is hearing and doing. Luke chapter 6, hearing and doing. And so this is exactly what we want to do with our children. Now, one of the bullet points in a conference file I used to to try to get guys to come out to how to be a better Catholic dad, I, I had one of the bullet points that I would be covering the 60-second secret to getting your kids to obey. And I had some guys who basically that was the main reason they were coming to the conference because they, they, they were having a hard time to get their children to obey their voice. And let's say it goes something like this. You've had a hard day at work and you come home and you've just been waiting to kind of get into the sports pages. And I don't mean just glancing at them, but just kind of going through and just seeing what's happening in the sports world. But before you do, you get your glass of iced tea and you go to your recliner, you sit down, you get it back into the full recline, take a sip of iced tea, open the paper, or I guess nowadays your iPad, and you start looking over the sports scores, and you just kind of notice out of the corner of your eye, your son, little Billy, is about to hit little Sally on on her head with one of his toys. And you say, Billy, don't you dare hit your sister with that toy. Now, parents have this um, great mistaken thought in their minds. They think their kids aren't as smart as they are. They're generally as smart, and some of them are smarter, believe me. And Billy takes a look over at Dad. Sports page, long day at work, full recline position, sipping iced tea, not a problem. Bonk. All right. What you do in the next 60 seconds could determine the eternal welfare of your son. You might think, boy, you're really blowing this up. No, I'm not. Because Jesus is talking about the great crash of a house. A great destruction would come upon those who hear but don't do. And you can teach your son how valuable your voice is and train him because later he will listen to Father uh, in Mass, he will listen to the Holy Father and the words of the church and the scriptures, and he'll listen to God. That whole disposition starts with you putting that paper aside. Don't get all wound up or all angry and just pull that thing very slowly to full upright position. You go over and you look your son right in the eye and say, Billy, you did not listen to my voice. You see, he didn't value your voice. He didn't value hearing. But you just modeled for him what hearing is all about. You responded, and you took a sacrifice that cost you less than 60 seconds to teach your son a lesson that when you say something, you mean it, and you follow it up with appropriate discipline. And the same thing goes. Uh, you're in full recline position, iPad, newspaper, sipping iced tea and all that, and Billy's about to do the same, but 
you know, you're not paying attention as you should be. And your wife holding another baby, cooking, stuff running over in the stove and everything else. She notices Billy's about to bop his sister in the head. And she says something. Well, I think dad should lead the way. I mean, moms can do this, but I think dads, we have a little extra edge when it comes to child training and discipline. You should do the exact same steps I just mentioned, but even with greater uh, just a, a greater concentration, a, a greater weight that you're placing on it, that he didn't listen to his mother's voice. And this is exactly what you want to do in child training and discipline. And mom and dad, forgive me for saying this, either shut up or follow up, but there's nothing in between. Do you hear me? There's really nothing in between. You don't play baseball. Billy, this is your first warning. Billy, this is your second warning. Three strikes, you're out. No, because then they'll get used to playing baseball all their life, and they'll do it with God. They'll do it with drunk driving. They'll do it with mortal sin or whatever. No, we want to be sober about this and getting our children responsive to our voices the first time. You know, there's a uh, very apocalyptic portion of the New Testament, St. Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. And in 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter, we read this. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. In other words, this is the second coming of Jesus with his angels for judgment on those who aren't believing. And it says, inflicting vengeance upon those who do not know God, upon those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that word obey is just like in Ephesians 6.1. It's the akuo, the acoustics, the hearing and responding. It does not do you any good to hear and not respond. Because what happens to those who hear and don't respond? The next verse, 2 Thessalonians 1.9. They shall suffer the punishment of eternal destruction and exclusion from the presence of the Lord. So, you see, I wasn't kidding. I wasn't trying to exaggerate. This is, you know, how you get a young child ready to go. And how do you tell if a child is ready? Here's how I do it. Let's say your child has two balls, a red ball and a green ball, and both balls are in the bedroom. And you say to Billy, Billy, would you go get me the red ball? And he smiles, runs off, and comes back with the red ball. That means he's able to hear. He's able to respond. He knows the difference between red balls and right balls, and he knows the difference between don't do it and do it. Okay? And you can start with your voice right there, and you follow up each time. And you say, well, this is kind of a pain in the neck. Yeah, it takes a few minutes. And it will result in hours and days and nights of headaches being prevented in the teen years. And it will result in eternal life rather than eternal punishment. This is big, big stuff. Now, in addition to that, just teaching your child to respond to your voice. And, you know, you don't have to be harsh about this. You know, your children know when you're sacrificing 
to reinforce to them the importance of listening to their voice. You, you, know, you don't have to be the volcano exploding and yelling and all that, screaming and all that. That is kind of actually counterproductive. You can be very calm about it, but very firm about it. And the nice thing, when you start getting a few kids, they'll say to the little one about to disobey, do it, do it, do it. He means what he says. She means what she says. And um, they will kind of help reinforce whatever you're doing because your old children have learned that mom and dad mean what they say. But here's the blessing that comes from that. And again, you don't want to be harsh about it. In the book of Proverbs, which, by the way, was greatly used in the early church to help those Catholics living in the midst of a pagan environment like we are today, it was, it was helping them how to live practically on a day-to-day level and keep their Catholic faith when surrounded by pagans. And Proverbs says this, starting in the first chapter, hear, my son, your father's instruction, and reject not your mother's teaching. That Proverbs 1.8, that's the Shema. But the Shema is mediated through the parents. The parents are reinforcing what God says here and not waiting till they get teenagers and trying to get a disposition to hear. But no, it's when they're young. That's Proverbs chapter four. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. And what's the result of all this? Again, Proverbs chapter eight. And now my sons, listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Happy is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 32 through 34. And so, just to recap here, what we're talking about, there are two types of churchgoers, so to speak two types of disciples, one real and one phony. One's headed for trouble in life, and the trouble with eternal life, and the other is head, heading for a blessed life. And the difference between the two is hearing and doing or hearing and not doing. And we want to be the people who train ourselves, because this starts with parents, Um, We don't want to be hypocrites telling our children to do something because God says so, and we don't—they can figure out pretty quick as they get older whether or not you're making a sincere effort to follow the ways of the Lord. You do that in your own life, and then begin when they're very young, training them to obey your voice by valuing your voice and giving up a few seconds when they don't to teach them how important it is to respond in responsive listening to parents' voice, and that's training them for an eternity. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 239 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.